Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast, Raw Material Quality, Identifying and Mitigating Variation. I'm Brandy Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. Joining me today is Corey Card, principal scientist, GE Healthcare. Corey has been with GE Healthcare Life Sciences, formerly Highclone, for more than 21 years and currently serves as principal scientist for the cell culture business. His experience includes more than 27 years experience in cell culture and biotechnology. His roles during the past 20 years also include leading research and development efforts as a scientist, team leader and director of research, product, and process development. He received his master's of science in virology from Utah State University with a primary focus on factors influencing pathogenicity of the influenza virus. We understand much more about the impact of raw material quality on the process, and with new technologies, we can now better understand and identify what causes raw material variation. Can you describe a bit about how you have seen raw material quality evolve, where we are at now, and where we are headed? Sure. So over the over the past decade, we have definitely seen and understand much more now how raw material impacts our finished product quality. We understand, especially for things like recombinant protein, monoclonal antibodies, that glycosylation is, is severely impacted by even uh, minute uh, quantities of impurities that can come through from raw materials. So our understanding has greatly increased, and that comes as, as exactly, like you said, our, um, our new technologies in analytics, the ability to see with a much higher resolution uh, using mass spec and other, other technologies really allows us to understand what's going on in the raw material, what kind of purity and also what kind of impurities and what those impurities look like um, and how they're impacting the, the end process. So. Uh, with that advanced analytical equipment with much higher resolution, better detection and quantification levels, that allows us really to uh, to get a much better idea of what's going on in the raw material. And then also today we have better tools for collecting, analyzing, and reporting um, on large data sets. So as we collect all of this information through characterizing these raw materials, it is an immense amount of data. And we have much better tools today than a decade ago on being able to look at those and understand them. Also, that allows us to have a much better understanding of our manufacturing process, and therefore uh, we can work toward a more defined and optimized manufacturing process through that. Yeah, the technology has really come a long way. I'm curious, how can we further utilize this technology across the supply chain to identify possible sources of variation in the raw materials? And also, how can we increase process and raw material control? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, first and foremost, partnership with suppliers is very key. And with that communication, being able to share our understanding across the supply chain, uh, going up and down the supply chain. Um, just an example, years ago, there was a contaminant or actually a degradant product in material that is often used to construct single-use packaging. Um, that material is called, the degradant is called BDT, BDT, BPP. And it took us a little while to be able to identify what that was. And, and we actually did that in collaboration with our clients and also with the suppliers. 
but be able, in in order to influence a change in our supplier, it actually took a good number of uh, us to work together. It was not possible through one company uh, to influence the supply chain to be able to drive the change that was needed for these single-use products. It really took a number of people and companies working together and a common understanding um, with the supplier to be able to uh, implement changes that were required. So the other tools that will really help with this are things like electronic or digital data exchange. And really, you know, there's some new standards that have been out there for the last couple of years uh, that we need to utilize as an industry. One of those would be the ASTM standard XML format for uh, being able to exchange data um, back and forth and and therefore be able to communicate much better in a, in a digital way without having manual transcription in between and so forth. Um, also, to, to gain a better process in raw material control, we first have to understand the process of the raw material, including the variation that's present, and then through characterization, understand what levers we have to influence change and make sure that we have the appropriate analytics in place to be able to measure the effects of that change. And those would include things like online sensors, analytics, uh, statistical process controls, automation, and also data visualization systems really help. We've spent some time you know, here talking about kind of the technologies and, and how to identify uh, issues with uh, raw materials. But I'm wondering, could you speak a little bit about what you see as the biggest problems that raw material variation can cause in biomanufacturing? The variation in raw materials ultimately can lead to a failed product. And when we're talking about this industry in biomanufacturing, um, that is extremely costly in terms of money, time, and resources. Uh, you know, the, a failed batch in biomanufacturing can be worth multi-millions of dollars. And that's not uh, including the time and all the resources that were tied up in manufacturing that batch. And oftentimes that's not even known until that batch is completed and you have the, the raw harvest and, and doing the quality tests on that. And so understanding that variation and implementing proper management of the variation not only reduces the likelihood of failures or failure to meet specifications, but it also helps us to identify previously unknown failure modes and understand how to mitigate those. It's good to talk about kind of, I think, all the areas of the raw material uh, variation. We've talked about identifying it. We've talked about what the variation can cause. Now I'm curious to talk a little bit about what you see as the most effective methods for mitigating the raw material variation that occurs. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Brandy. Um, we're using an approach that really combines the measures all of the measures that I spoke of previously. And as I mentioned, you know, first and foremost, the partnership with raw material suppliers is absolutely necessary. So we work to provide an understanding of the issues that we know exist in biomanufacturing using the data that we've amassed that supports those findings and walking through that data with the suppliers so that they can understand, fully understand uh, those issues that, that we're up against. And then as partners, we work to understand what levers our suppliers can use. Uh, perhaps levers that they previously were not aware of, but now with the new data uh, that we've shared with them, uh, they, they 
uh, can understand better what they're able to do. So for instance, the same supplier may be getting their material from multiple locations, but one location could be identified through this data set uh, that is providing higher quality material compared to another location. And this would then allow us to perhaps favor sourcing uh, from the, you know, uh, quote, cleaner uh, location. Uh, and that's only something that we could figure out by working together. Uh, we're not going to be able to figure out, you know, figure out which location is cleaner um, based on the information that we have without working with our supplier. And our supplier often isn't going to have that kind of data without working with us. And so we need to work together. Secondly, the raw material characterization program that we are doing provides us an understanding of the sources and the amount of variation through physical chemical testing that we're doing and also functional testing. So the physical chemical testing is done to understand and characterize the purity and also the impurity profiles of the raw material. And then we do functional testing to understand what the impacts of that variation Again, also on purity and the impurity profiles, more specific impurities, and those impacts on the cell culture process. And then thirdly, uh, the database that we amass from all this data allows us to gather insights into the variation and also understand the available material in order to do quality manufacturing. And then using smart processes, we can combine our manufacturing needs with this characterization database and predict or plan for successful batches. So not guessing if, if a batch is going to be successful and meet specification, but actually understand if it will before manufacturing. And oftentimes, it's not only a specification that we need to meet, but perhaps a much more stringent expectation that we have that is not in specifications. And this allows us to meet that more stringent expectation. And then afterwards, we do online analytics during manufacturing and then post-manufacturing uh, testing as well to make sure that we are meeting those specifications and expectations that we have for the product. I think that's great, and I think that's a really excellent point. I mean, it, you really do need to work together as a team to ensure the raw material quality and if any issues arise to, to determine what the real problem is. Um, looking forward, you mentioned data collection before, and I'm wondering, looking forward, how can the use of data collection and real-time in-process analytics impact raw material quality? First of all, it helps us identify the most immediate need or understand what problems in raw material quality need to be addressed. So it's a little bit like peeling an onion. As we increase in our analytical capabilities, we have the opportunity to decrease variability through acting upon the learnings and optimizing the material or the process. As we reduce the variability, we then have the opportunity to uh, understand even more uh, insights or gain further insight into what is causing additional variability that previously was unknown or was masked because of the greater variability that we've just taken care of. So. As we get uh, increased technology and analytics, we understand more about the, the variation. And as we peel back that variation, understand it and work to mitigate it, we find other sources of variation previously unknown. And that allows us to fine tune or um, hopefully increase the quality and consistency of the raw materials. 
that's really important. I think that's that's uh, great how the, those can be those new technologies can be implemented in this in this way. Um, I wanted to ask. We've talked a lot about suppliers and and end users working together. I'm wondering if you have a opinion about what the best way for suppliers and end users to work together is to ensure raw material quality. I'll use the example I showed previously in the single use material scenario. So it took multiple end users working together with suppliers in order to effect a change. And some of those changes are actually going to be difficult and perhaps costly. Some of the suppliers, uh, as in the case of the single use material, you know, our share of wallet for the supplier uh, for that single use material was actually very small. The food industry uh, was a much greater draw or share of wallet on that supplier. And therefore, our voice was uh, alone as, as one customer was not able to be heard. It didn't seem as uh, significant, something that they needed to implement change for. And so it was only working together with other clients and then closely with the supplier that we were able to, to get enough of a voice to, to influence the change. And in order to achieve that, we have to have a common understanding across the supply chain and be able to reach common goals. Um, otherwise, we're not going to be able to impact the raw material quality positively. Uh, communication is extremely key. And as I mentioned before, you know, a collaborative approach up and down the supply chain with open dialogue, again, using tools like I mentioned before, digital data sharing and, and other tools are going to be very important to be able to achieve this. That's a really great point. I think that's something we hear a lot is that, you know, um, as much as we think a lot of times that um, biopharma would, would have a big impact or a big say, exactly right that in the in the grand scheme of things there are other industries that have a greater voice and really standing together and working together is how to make that voice louder and so I think that's a really excellent point I was just wanting to to end this I think it's been a really interesting conversation I really appreciate your time today talking about raw materials Um, I'm wondering if you have anything else to add for our listeners before we sign off for the day Yeah, maybe one other thing. It's around something I touched on earlier, but I'd just like to add a thought around material specifications. Sometimes we have specifications on material simply because it's always been that way without really understanding what that specification is actually doing, what it means. Is it meaningful or not? Um, It's important that we have meaningful specifications on materials, whether they're raw materials or finished products. Uh, meaningful specifications are one that really relate to the quality attributes of the material. For instance, you know, we might have, say, an appearance specification on a powder cell culture medium. But is that appearance specification really meaningful? Do the cells care what color the media is or what the media looks like? Um, how subjective is that specification? For an appearance specification, it's usually very subjective. And in order to have more meaningful specifications or tests, we might think of something like particle size and flowability, or perhaps uh, there's a constituent that has a major influence on the color of the medium, and therefore a more direct measurement of that important constituent would be much more objective and much more meaningful compared to an appearance specification. So as we grow in understanding of variation that is present in these raw materials, 
and how that variation impacts our processes and products, we can and should work to refine our testing and our specifications as well. I think that's really important going forward. I think that's a great point. Um, And thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. And I think everyone will really enjoy learning more about raw materials. Thanks, Brandy. It's been a pleasure talking with you. and, and, And I look forward to continued discussions and working together as an industry to to meet our needs in this space. Thank you. I just wanted to add one more thing for listeners. There is a a raw materials ebook that you uh, were instrumental in putting together. And I will make sure that there's a link to that um, on in the show notes for this podcast, because I I read it and I thought it was really informative and, and interesting. And it's a compilation of several different authors and several different perspectives. I know there's some biopharmaceutical uh, company perspectives as well as supplier perspectives. So I'll make sure that that's included. Thanks, Brandy. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To learn more about this and other stem cell and biomanufacturing related topics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com or for downstream biomanufacturing topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.